Sally Wigan likes him, and so should you. Adam, I think I think having millennials on the radio is awesome. I don't hate you. God. Adam Crowley. My dogs listen to you when I walk <laughs> out the door. On ESPN Pittsburgh. You found the Crowley Show, where your mom listens, and you should too. 412-922-2874 is the number to call. Or you can join the cast of dozens and follow me on Twitter at underscore Adam Crowley. Brian LaMartina back sitting across from me. Shirtless Tom behind the glass. Check them out on Twitter at FBomber73 at ButtonPusher970. Tell your kids, tell your wife, we're doing radio up in here. I'm very proud of the listening audience today. It's a Wednesday, even during football season. Sometimes those can be light on content. We like to mess around. We like to have fun. My Twitter poll was, Crosby's signature looks like an 87. Cool or dorky? 87% of you say cool. 87%. Sid's got some Jesus powers. Tim Benz joins us now from Breakfast with Benz. He's the official vampire of the Crowley Show. He'll be hosting Countdown to Kickoff tonight following the merciful end of this program. Tim, good afternoon. Of course it's dorky. Oh, it's the lamest thing ever, man. Of course it's dorky. Like if Alexander Ovechkin made the O's in his in his name, made that like a giant April, like a little eight at the bottom of it, we would think that's the dumbest thing in the history of penmanship. Isn't this what makes Sidney Crosby great, though? His obsession with 8-7 and his obsession with the game of hockey. I don't think he does anything else. I think he masturbates to hockey, Tim. More than likely. Uh, I respect him for that. Now, I know that Jonathan Bambouli wrote a story for our site at Trib about how he said he's out to prove himself and, you know, kind of how that was funny. Like, what does Sidney Crosby have left to prove in the grand scheme of things? I think he's 100% right, but I'll give you some things you can work on for this year for sure. How about proving he can make Daniel Sprong into an NHL player? How about proving to everybody who doubts him, including myself, that if they're going to go with Dominic Simone, he can make that work? Uh, there's a lot of stuff that I think he can prove, or you know what he can prove is he can make life easier on the coaching staff by just making it work out with whatever line combination they think is best with him and Jim Gensel. How about that? How about this question, Tim? When Sidney Crosby goes to the doctor and they have him sign paperwork, does he still sign it 8-7? That's a great question. Mm-hmm. So you're suggesting he's only doing that for like signature purposes uh, for memorabilia. Is that, your, is that your suggestion there? Oh, no. My suggestion is that I bet he goes to the doctor's office and signs it 8-7 and puts a little hashtag 8-7 in the middle of the damn thing. <laughs> You think he does it twice in his real signature, then? He does. It's the weirdest thing I've ever seen. He's such a tool. I love the guy. He's an, he's a loser. Tim, I can't get over this. He's getting paid $8.7 million. Malkin's getting well, 9.5. Time, That's ridiculous. There, there was a time, and it, just, it was briefly, and I was out at a restaurant in Market Square, and he was sitting a table away from me. And I finished, and the check had just been delivered to his table. And I walked by and said a quick hello and then left and, you know, didn't want to get in his way, just quickly said hi. But now that looking back on it, I wish I had stuck around just to watch him write the check so I could have that answer for you. I wonder I, it's if... It's going to bother me forever now. If Crosby's meal is 75 bucks, does he tip $12 just to get it to 87 
Yeah, you're probably, you're probably right. I'm sure Sid is a good enough guy that he would round up enough to get it to wherever an 8 and 7 were somehow in the equation. Like, he'd, he'd bust out the calculator on his phone and just figure out a way to round up enough. To, you know, he's not a greedy guy. I'm sure he's a nice tipper and all that. But he will only go up to a point where an 8 and a 7 makes sense. Even if the, even if the server was fantastic and the service was wonderful, he's going to stop there for the sake of superstition. Do you think that he forgoes the 69 and makes his girlfriend do an 87? What is an 87? Can you describe that for me? Because I'm not familiar with the concept. Probably something with a glove. Did, did you see, uh, to make my alma mater proud, the young girl who held up a sign to that effect at the Carrier Dome that went viral on Barstool this weekend? I did not see that. Googling yeah. now, though. She had a sign up that said, uh, number 69 in your program, number one in my bed. Whoa. And I don't know who number 69 is for Syracuse, but uh, good for him. All I know is Sidney Crosby would not be interested. Tim Benz joining us here on the Crowley Show. Uh, Tim, we've spent a lot of time over the last couple of days talking about the league and the calls that they've made, the referees in particular. I guess I should separate them from the league. Uh, I don't mind the roughing the passer calls because I want to see quarterbacks stay healthy. I think it can go too far. I don't know if they've got there yet. I want your thoughts on that and just about the penalty calls in general over the first weekend of the season. It has gone too far. They have gotten there. I'm for protecting quarterbacks, too, but within reason, and they've gone beyond reason. Like Aaron Donald's going low because he didn't want to go high and get a penalty there, so he got a penalty for going low. Uh, Miles Garrett, even though Ben Roethlisberger and Mike Tomlin wanted other penalties apologized for, there should have been an apology for that. Um, these refs are so spooked by their bosses that they're calling everything. But at no point in the rule book does it say call something because you think it looks like somebody was hit too hard. Uh, they need to have a little bit of interpretation. And I feel like uh, they have gotten the cattle prod so far up their asses on this that they, that they feel like if they don't make a call on a 50-50 scenario, they're going to get ripped. If they don't make a call on a 40-60 scenario, they're going to get ripped. So if it's close to like 30-70, like 30% of penalty, they're still going to throw it and say, you told us to do it, you figure it out. But it's getting in the way, and I'm really glad. What they need to do is clarify the language and give some more latitude to the officials with this falling with full body weight on the quarterback crap that they did with the helmet rule. Because now that the helmet rule has been loosened up, the refs aren't calling it. There were 255 penalties in week one. 255, that's a 10-year high. It was 187 10 years ago. And Crosby. one of them was one of those helmet penalties. Like T.J. Watt's penalty, that wasn't a helmet penalty. He just went in late, went in with his shoulder. So, but the, the, like we, what we complained about for the entire preseason, those helmet penalties, there's one of them, I think, at least to the Sunday games, right? So 255 overall, to me, that's just way too many. They're calling too much. They call too much in the Atlanta game, the Pittsburgh game. Uh, I think I did some number, some research on this, Adam. If you, if you really crack down on it, there were only two teams that averaged more than seven and a half penalties last year. There were only two, and in the first week, each team averaged seven point five. <laughs> so that's an atrocity. Yeah, I'll agree with that. And as for landing on the quarterback, that's where I kind of parse it too. I understand going low and Donald crawling into a guy. I'm okay with him calling that. He's going right for the crotch of the quarterback there. I'm fine with them calling that, but when a guy lands on a quarterback, it's so tough not to. Gravity pulls you down at 9.8 meters per second squared. Uh, Tim, I, I thought you made a good point uh, in one of your columns this morning for Breakfast with Benz. 
Did you like it? Did you hit like? I don't know if I hit like. No, you didn't. I, I, Damn I, it! I, I, I always notice Crowley likes, and, and no, you did not. I'll have to have shirtless Tom do it with his account, and then I'll go through Tom's likes, and I'll make sure I favorite it later. Tim, I like the point, but not on Twitter, that you made when you said something along the lines of you have... What's his name? The the guy who goes on DVE now. The, Gene Steratore. Yeah, Gene Steratore comes on. And they tell you about the reviews, right? And when they go on the TV, they say, well, this is what they're looking at. This is what they need to see. What about on the field? Why can't Gene Steratore say they missed it on the field? It was clearly a guy getting the ball bouncing off his face on that punt there. Well, he and McCauley and before him when it was uh, Pereira, uh, Mike Carey, all these guys who have been in the ex-official, now analyst capacity, they never tell you if the call's right or wrong. They just tell you why the ref did what they did. Uh, stop telling me about the labor and just show me the baby. Because that's all these guys do, is they tell you why the refs may have screwed it up, or what they were looking at, and why they decided or interpreted it this way or that way. Just tell me if it's right or wrong. And when he was on TV this week, oh my God. Like, I know they were just kidding. They were just joking around about the whole Nick Chubb play where the ball came up and hit him in the helmet. But he he actually, a Pittsburgh guy on the Pittsburgh Steelers flagship station had the temerity to say, well, you guys were just breaking that down frame by frame and analyzing it like it was a Zabruder film. What did you do for Jesse James then? Like, what, what's the difference? Like, gee, like, come on, have a little self-awareness. Like, a, a, that's an incredible lack of awareness of irony to that statement. You're saying we're looking too close at something, and it was not quite conclusive, so they didn't turn overturn it. Well, they did for Jesse James against the Patriots, didn't they? Yeah, Tim, I think that's a great point, too. The job of the replay officials is to break everything down like it's the Zabruder film. Uh, that irked me, too. Tim Ben's joining us here. On the Crowley show, uh, Tim, Ben Roethlisberger was atrocious in the first game. I went back and watched it again, and it was even worse upon the second viewing, I thought, than it was the first viewing. And my concern is, if the Steelers' offense starts out this year, the way that it did last year, through the first eight games last year, they averaged 21 points a game. Not good, but they still went 6-2. and two. If they do something similar this year, if Ben Roethlisberger struggles similarly this year, with their schedule... I don't think that they're going 6-2. and two. And a worse start than that, looking at their second-half schedule, uh, I worry about their ability to make the playoffs, Tim. I'm on board with you. In fact, moments before I jumped on the phone with you, I just finished a commentary for breakfast with Ben's, which I assume you'll like tomorrow, where I basically said exactly the same thing. Um, my belief is that this, you know, anybody who drew up 13-3 and three again had these two games as wins. Yep. Even a guy like me, who had him at 10-6 and six this year, had these two games as wins. You've tied one, if you lose another, and exactly to your point, that second-half schedule is way harder than the first half. I, I wonder if they make the playoffs. I, I wonder if they're going to be 500. And another thing i got to factor into this, Adam, how is this locker room going to be when they actually have on-the-field problems? You know, this is such a roller coaster locker room, but rarely has it had to deal with honest-to-God strife when it comes to the team on the field. Like, their chaos and team turmoil when they're 13-3. and three. What's it going to be like if they start 3-5? and five? Or, sorry, sorry, 3-4-1. and one. 
<laughs> Tim, what if they're three, four, and one, and because Lev Bell doesn't want to get roster exemption, he comes back for week eight? Oh, it's beautiful. Oh, I, this is, it's like throwing gunpowder into a fire or something. You know, and I had this conversation over the South Side. Like, uh, when's it really going to get, when can it even get worse? I actually know what I said about that. It was Jerry Hill after the bottle shop on Monday. And when's it going to get bad again? Because, you know, it, it was noticeable at the press conference this week. It was. There's very little Lev Bell talk. It wasn't even all that much James Conner talk, to be frank. And I think people have settled in to the idea that if he hasn't come back yet, he's probably not coming back until week eight for the roster exemption thing, or week six, or six games to go, rather, so week 10, week 11 after the bye, however you want to call it. So let's just chill out, and we're all kind of tired of talking about it, and nothing's really happening anyway. And oh, blah, dee, oh, blah, dah, let's talk about other stuff. <laughs> It is going to mushroom cloud when he comes back, though. And the more they lose, the more the discussion is about they're losing because he's gone as opposed to the offense is struggling because he missed camp. That was the narrative last year. If the offense struggles without him here, and you know, while we the camp excuse, then that's, that, we should just erase the narrative of last year then for those first three games, shouldn't we? Oh, I love it. Tim Benz joining me here on the Crowley Show. Uh, Tim... Where's your dude, James Washington, man? You're asking the wrong guy. I don't know how much this ab thing is a problem for him, but you know, two things were dumb about their approach on Sunday when it comes to special teams. Just using him there and having James Harden out there. Sorry, Harden. I said James Harden. Harden out there at all on special teams. Why? Why do that? Um, you know, he even knocked on wood at him to say that he's going to play all 16 this year. It didn't happen. I don't get either move. They need to have more James Washington. I don't know why they're trying to put him through the ringer as much as they are. He does not strike me as a too much, too fast kind of wide receiver. In fact, he's the opposite of that by all accounts. Play him. Uh, I think he's better than Justin Hunter right now. Yes. Justin Hunter got targeted, what, five times? Yes. Five times? Something like that, six? Um, he's not good enough to get that many throws. James Washington might be, and I thought they blew that on Sunday. Your dude is James Washington. Your other dude is Mason Rudolph. My dude from last year, Pat Mahomes. Uh, I thought he was QB1, man. I'm in love with that guy. People keep saying the Steelers have their way with the Chiefs. Well, James Harrison kind of had his way with the Chiefs, and Alex Smith was always just going to be Alex Smith. Uh, I'm not chalking this one up as an easy dub the way that I think a lot of Steelers Nation is. The joke for hockey fans this week is who owned the Chiefs? The Steelers owned the Chiefs? No, two men owned the Chiefs. Le'Veon Bell and James Harrison, and neither of them mm. are there on Sunday. Le'Veon Bell is five games, including that playoff game, four regular season, one postseason. Le'Veon Bell is not recall. I don't have the numbers written down here, but I think it was 667 of those games for an average of 145 per game. Uh, James uh, Harrison, meanwhile, had, what, three of his most memorable sacks, most memorable plays against the Kansas City Chiefs from a regular season perspective. Uh, those guys are not here, and I think it's going to be very – I bet you that James Conner doesn't have the day that he had against Cleveland against KC. I, I think that Les Bell's running style and the blocking style of the offensive lineman for Pittsburgh Steelers was a perfect matchup against what used to be Kansas City's defense. Now, KC's defense – might be even worse, Adam, than what it was last year, and that it just because it's been picked apart personnel-wise and guys in different positions and things like that. It, it might be bad enough that the tone has changed, the, the approach has changed, as well as the personnel. And what I'm talking about, Michael out the window and Connor will be fine. But 
my inclination is to say that Connor will have had better numbers against Cleveland than he does against KC, and you will miss Le'Veon Bell more this week than you did last week. 87 nothing Chiefs win, Tim. How about 8-7 to seven Steelers win? <laughs> Uh, the defense would have to play well. No, sorry, yeah, the defense, mm. the defenses are are not good enough to hold that game to eight to seven. The weather's supposed to be crappy again too, isn't that right? Yeah, looking forward to that. And then Florence will be backing us up the next oh, week. Oh yeah, that's right. You know what I didn't do, Adam? Is I didn't open up this interview by wishing good thoughts to everybody in North Carolina. I should have done that. I, I forgot that's what you're supposed to do now. Uh, well, <laughs> thoughts and prayers. You know what, Tim? I don't give a rip about anybody in North Carolina because Will Greer's not going to be going there Saturday anymore. So it matters not to me. Uh, appreciate the time, buddy. Have fun tonight. Uh, yeah, it's at 79 South Park Clubhouse. Craig Wolfley, Matt Williamson, and me uh, jumping into the place right now. Just pulled up when I was talking to you. And I hope whatever, whatever your personal problems are, I hope you work through them. And for the love of God, with your cheese teams, get rid of the Palco and Jason Bay jerseys. I can't believe those things have survived as long as they have. Yeah, me neither, man. I'm taking them off the walls tonight. See you, buddy. We haven't had the rights for 15 years. That's why we got them. That's Tim Benz. Breakfast with Benz on the trip. Uh, we had to make a last-second cheese tease change. Tomorrow you'll get the one that we were planning today. It's a long story. As for my personal problems, they might not be real. We'll find out Wednesday. <laughs> Coming up next, no Le'Veon Bell. Week one against the Browns. Jabril Peppers said it made a big difference in the way that they prepared. Tell you more next, Crowley Show. Sports talk with a little bit of an edge. Can you feel the tension in the air right now? I know I can. I can feel it all the way down in my plums. The Adam Crowley Show on ESPN Pittsburgh. Vinrock tweets at underscore Adam Crowley. The Steelers are known to play to their competition. They will be fine. Why must y'all overreact? Remember 11-5 Super Bowl win? 9-7 Super Bowl win? 9-7 Super Bowl win did not happen. They were 12-4 when they beat the Cardinals. They were 11-5 when they beat the Seahawks. So get out of here, Vinrock! Thomas says, damn, you and that last guest are insufferable. Gloom and doom. Damn, I like listening to sports. But damn, give the team a chance to fail or succeed. Damn. A lot of dams there. They should put those dams around Raleigh and play the West Virginia football game this weekend. No, real talk, man. If you are trying to go through the Steelers' schedule and saying they're going to be 13-3 and this year, they're going to be 11-5 this year, they're going to be 9-7 and this year, whatever you thought the Steelers' record would be, number one, it never included a tie. And always included both Cleveland games as wins. They didn't get a Cleveland win in the first game now. So it changes things, right? Now, I'm guessing last year you probably wouldn't have thought they'd lose to the Chicago Bears. Maybe you said they'd lose to another really good football team. It can even itself out. There's a good chance it evens itself out this year. But I predicted coming in the Steelers would be worse than 13-3. and I predicted coming in they'd be a 10-6 and ball club that's struggling to get into the playoffs later on in the season. And tying to Cleveland doesn't make me come off of that prediction whatsoever. It makes me think that they're going to struggle maybe even more than I initially thought. It could change. But it'll have to play out. I'm not feeling great about Kansas City. Le'Veon Bell carves them up. 
Le'Veon Bell went for 1-6-7 in a playoff game on the road at Arrowhead when there was ice falling from the sky. You didn't think they thought he was going to run the ball? They knew he was going to run the ball. There's ice falling from the sky. They moved the game, and he still carved him up. He ain't going to be here on Sunday. James Harrison made Eric Fisher his bitch in the playoff game. Otherwise, made him his bitch. He ain't around anymore. And that's not to say Bud Dupree didn't show signs in game number one. He ain't James Harrison. Not in his prime, certainly, and not even when James Harrison wasn't in his prime against the Chiefs. He always rediscovered his prime against the Chiefs. You can say the Steelers own this football team. They don't. Those two did. You had a new quarterback coming in, and Pat Mahomes, who can slang that rock all over the field. Alex Smith was afraid to take shots. Pat Mahomes lives to take shots. His coaches are going to be punching him in the head by the end of the year saying, man, check it down sometimes. He reminds me of a young Ben Roethlisberger. Except, unlike Ben, Ben's second year, they didn't really cut him loose until the playoffs, until Indianapolis, when he's throwing a bunch in the first drive of the game. They let that guy loose last week. He's chucking it deep to Tyreek Hill. Throwing it all over the yard. It's not the Chiefs the Steelers are used to beating up on. I'm going to pick the Steelers to win. Because I think they're a good team and they're playing at home. And the Steelers are very good, typically, in home openers under Mike Tomlin. Lost once only in his career. But it ain't going to be a cakewalk. And if Ben Roethlisberger doesn't play better, they're not beating a team with a good offense. If Ben Roethlisberger turns the ball over three or four times, they're going to punch it in the end zone. Why would people expect me to be all flowers and rainbows and kittens after the Steelers tie a team that went 1-31 in in the 32 games preceding that tie. You see, you're damned if you do, damned if you don't with Steelers Nation, right? If I'm talking about the positives from the game, people say, they tied the Browns, Crowley, what are you talking about? You're a homer. And if you start criticizing them, people jump down your throat and say, how dare you overreact to one game? A game that they didn't even lose. Talk to the players, tell me they don't feel like they lost. Talk to Mike Tomlin, tell me they don't feel like they lost. Cam Hayward, tell me he doesn't feel like they lost. He was on with the DVE Morning Show earlier on in the week, and he was asked, are the Browns better? He paused, he thought about it for a second, he said, time will tell, but you could read a lot into that pause. And what I read was, we beat ourselves. Or, I guess more accurately, we tied ourselves. But that drives him crazy. Every year, you don't think they look at the schedule and think, we're going to go into Cleveland and we're going to take a win, and then we're going to take them to the woodshed at Heinz Field. And they didn't. That should change your expectation level a little bit for this team. If you thought coming in the Steelers were a bona fide Super Bowl contender, then you at least have to pause. You at least have to take a breath and think for a minute, wow, good teams don't tie Cleveland. Again, they could turn it around. But we go off what we see, and what we've seen so far is a tie against Cleveland! In which they turned it over six times. In the rain. I don't doubt there's any place I'd rather... I doubt there's any place that I'd hate more than Cleveland in the rain. Although Pittsburgh over the last week or so hasn't been all that much of a treat either. 412-922-2874. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. You still drinking the Steelers Kool-Aid? Or are you realistic? Do you have a good head on your shoulders? 
I'm a dork. You know this. I have all 22. I bought the package. I'm a, not a film junkie, but I like to have another look at the Steelers game after I watch it on TV or at the stadium, and I don't want to have commentary. I don't want Bruce Arians talking over the film that I'm watching. I'm not a great tape guy. I'm not John Gruden in his prime when he's talking to rookie quarterbacks, looking at things on the whiteboard. Ah, that's not me, but I like to look at it again. And I saw that Bell's absence had more of an effect on the game plan than I originally thought after watching the game the second time. Jabril Peppers, the safety who often plays in Akron. I don't know why the hell they line him off so far off the ball. He confirmed it after the game. He said, Connor's a good back and can do a lot of things, but he doesn't offer everything Le'Veon Bell does in terms of explosive ability. The Browns played a ton of coverage in the game. Dale Lally touched on it on the show yesterday. The Browns weren't afraid of James Connor. The Patriots, in the AFC Championship game in 2016, they had an extra guy in the box until Bell got hurt. After that, they said, okay, run the ball. We'll take away the big plays from Antonio Brown. Whether you agree or not, other teams perceive Le'Veon Bell to be a game changer. Does Ben Roethlisberger throw three interceptions if Le'Veon Bell is playing? Does the defense have an extra defender in the box and make it easier to go downfield if Bell plays? I'd say yes to both. We all look at James' performance, and it was a good one. But the impact that Le'Veon Bell makes is beyond statistics. 197 yards for Jesse James. How about 90% of the snaps always for Le'Veon Bell? The defense has to account for him on almost every play. James Conner caught the ball as a check down a number of times in this game and was completely uncovered. The Browns were content to let James beat them as long as they limited the production of the Steelers' true game-breaker in that game, A.B. I'll stick with what I said yesterday. The Steelers should want Bell back by eight-week at the latest. I'd take him now, but I don't want to have to wait until week 11 to finally get the guy in the game action. He affects the game and changes both the Steelers and the opponent's game plan. Connor was good. Le'Veon is great. One look at an opposing defense is all that it takes to figure that out. You know who else is great? Sidney Crosby. You know who's a dork like me? Watching all 22 film? Sidney Crosby. Crosby signed a note for a kid to get out of school yesterday. Which, by the way, Crosby should not be preaching truancy. Bad life advice, Sid. I don't like that. I need to tell him to do drugs next. Jeez. But his signature actually looks like an 87. What a huge friggin' dork he is. That's why he's good, though, right? We'll be sprinkling in some hockey as the season approaches. Camp gets underway this weekend, and they're vying for a championship. People love hockey. We'll be talking about it. We don't talk about the Pirates. People don't give a rip. We'll talk about hockey. The great thing about Sid is all he cares about is the damn number 87 and being good at hockey. He makes $8.7 million a season when he could easily make way more than that. Malkin makes 9.5. Crosby could absolutely be making that, but he makes 8.7 because he's a total nut job. Crosby signs 87 in the signature, 8787. That's when he was born. He wears the jersey number 87. He's a freak. But I think one of the things that separates great players from greater players, the all-pro type players and the Hall of Fame type players, is that they are geeks. Peyton Manning was a geek. 
Tom Brady, yeah, he's got Giselle, and he wears the Rolex, and he drives a nicer car than everyone, but all he cares about is film. All he cares about is preserving his body, not so he can better please Giselle in the sack, no, but so he can play football till he's 65 years old. He's a freak. Andrew Luck, a freak. Oh, Andrew Luck. That guy is a dork, and all he cares about is football, and he's great at it. Russell Wilson. That guy's good-looking. He's with Sierra. But he cares more about football than anything else. He says it all the time. And saying it and doing it are two different things. He says it and does it. Sidney Crosby. Hashtag GOAT. Because all he thinks about is hockey. He probably goes home, puts on the NHL Network, waits till there's sick highlights of guys winning face-offs and slides his hand slowly into his pants. It's like the Beatles masturbating together whenever they're listening to music. Sidney Crosby does it when watching hockey. Coming up next, hottest take of the day. Other crap, three stars of the show. It's in Pittsburgh. Sports talk with a little bit of an edge. Can you feel the tension in the air right now? I know I can. I can feel it all the way down in my plums. The Adam Crowley Show on ESPN Pittsburgh. Everybody was This damn song again. This is cool, man. Every single segment we end the show. Why are you not down with us running a random piece of music that happens to be an awesome song at the same time every day? I think that takes the random out of it. Oh. Well, the picking of the song was random. We said, hey, we like that song. You know what we're going to do for no reason? We're going to run it at the same damn time every day. How about Tom's idea? I agreed to it. I want dealer's choice. You don't get dealer's choice. Producer's choice at this time. It is. I'll tell you, it's all producer's choice. I never get a song in that I want. All you have to do is ask, just you can't pick a song at this time. I've never asked for anything. I don't think in terms of song. Oh, you've asked not for once, stuff. really. Oh, I've asked for stuff. Yeah. I've not asked for songs, I don't think. I think, what was that one time? You did ask for that Vanessa Carlton. Song oh, yeah, what time. a tune. Yeah, what a tune. Before my time, though. Yeah. Was that before Tom? Before yes, that was pre Tom. PT. PT. Yeah. Oh, jeez. I have PTSD. This is uh that was PT. This is AJ after Joe. Although Joe was back earlier this week. He'll be back again on Friday. Well, with all those timelines, people seem to rise. Come back. So are we between Joe then now? <laughs> was that a Christ is risen joke? It yes, it was. Yes, it was. It was, a, it was Christ is risen. Joe being Christ in that scenario. He's God's son. <laughs> He's the power of flight. He sits at the right hand of the Prezuda. Vinrock tweets me at underscore Adam Crowley. How many 190-plus yard games has Bell had in four years? Oh. How many has Connor had in one game? Vinrock, you're, you're proving my point here. They let him do that to an extent. I mean, he has to go out there and make plays. It's not easy to... Get 190 yards in any NFL game. I'll give you that to a point. The reality is the Browns were much more worried about Antonio Brown beating them. Browns were much more worried about Ben Roethlisberger beating them with his arm. And they didn't have an extra safety in the box. 
They played Jabril Peppers out in Flippin' Akron, Ohio. He can't make plays on the ball in the box. So, you'll be happy when Bell comes back. Tom says, just give the team a chance. You keep saying the Browns are bad. Two years ago, the Rams were bad. So teams get better out of the blue, and if Connor gets more chances, teams will switch their approach and give him a chance, too. Man, when the Browns knew the Steelers were trying to run the clock out late in the game, they put an extra guy in the box, and James's yards per carry went down exponentially. When they keyed on him, they stopped him. I guarantee you he has a better week last week than he does this upcoming week against Kansas City. Guarantee well to you. As for the Browns coming out of the blue and being a good team, they didn't beat a team that turned the ball over six times and had 12 penalties for 116 yards. They're not good. I've said all along they're going to be better, but five win better, not 10-6 and six better, not 10-5-1 and one better. They're not coming out of the blue and winning the division. They're not pulling a Rams in that regard. No, not this year, certainly. You know how I know that? Because good teams win games when the other team turns it over six times and gets penalized 12 times around 12 yards. They also got a huge break when the ball bounces off one of the Browns' helmets. It's recovered by Sean Davis, and the referees say, ah, we didn't see it. They turn their back like Joe Paterno. They missed it. Browns had so many opportunities. They had a game-winning field goal lineup. They missed that, too. They're not good. So the Steelers tying them is not good. It's time for the hottest take of the day. It's time for the hottest take of the day. Hurricane? I don't care about no stankin' hurricane. I care about Will Greer getting his 12th data point to win the Heisman Trophy. Go out there, slang that rock, put up some yards and points and numbers on NC State, and get the hell home. Unfortunately, they canceled Dub V and NC State's game. They should have played it in an empty stadium. I don't care. I need Will Greer to get numbers. I need to see him one more time in his career in old golden blue. And they took it away from me. What happened to football, man? Football used to mean everything. And now you're going to allow some sort of hurricane to come in here and make us all mamby-pammies? Football's about being tough. Tom, who's the head coach of North Carolina? Larry Fedora. Larry Fedora said that the reason that our military is so strong is because football players are in the military. (laughs) What do you think Larry Fedora thinks about his game getting canceled on Saturday? He's probably pooping blood. Thought I would have had something funnier to say there, but I didn't. They certainly aren't going to cancel war because of a little rain. You don't quit war in a hurricane, boy! You get out there and you fight, fight, fight! There will be war in a hurricane and you will not back down. You will go into the eye of the storm and you will fight the enemy. You will meet them on the mountains. You will meet them at the sea and you will meet them on the plains. You will fight, fight, fight the hurricane. What do you mean you don't want to fight the hurricane? Get out there and fight for your team. No, I think you're taking it too far. Seriously, though, I wish Will Greer played Saturday. That's the hottest take of the day. Woo! Other crap. It's been 626 days since the Browns won a football game. Woo! Other crap. How many? 626. 
It's been 572 days since Pitt basketball won a conference game. Where the math is back on those now. We're good. Is it? We're set. We are good. We are good. Keep checking. No. Okay. Math is right on this. Third star. Tonight's third star of the show, Big Ben's elbow. Graves, Ben's elbow's hurt. Is he out for the year? I think he's officially clinically dead, right? I mean. First quarterback ever to win a game while dead. Well, Ty. (laughs) He hasn't won a game yet this year. Second star. Tonight's second star of the show, Hurricane Florence. Robert Morris, I'm sure, happy that they still get to have their game being played tomorrow night. It was moved from this weekend. Uh, Bernard Clark, their head coach, joins us now. What went into making that decision, Coach? Uh, Hurricane Florence, really, more than anything else. Coach, he <laughs> yeah. called me. He called me. That's a, a, a dumb question. The way I, the way I threw. That. Well, what happened? Oh, it's the hurricane bearing down on the state. Yeah, that'll do it. Oh no, you did not. I leave the show for one day, and that happens. Oh no. <laughs> Why aren't you out sunbathing? Oh, no. oh it's D Day. <laughs> First star. And tonight's first star of the show, the science behind how radio works. And then JP tweets at underscore Adam Crowley, burning question, how do you stay on the air? Well, radio waves, they transmit conversations, pictures, data, invisibly through the air, often over millions of miles. It happens every day in thousands of different ways. Even though radio waves are invisible and completely undetectable to humans, they've totally changed society. What? It's the magic of radio wave. I thought it was just pure sex appeal. That's how you stayed on here. <laughs> Who let the dogs out? That made up for that stupid-ass question. <laughs> Why aren't they playing any games in North Carolina this weekend? I don't understand. A little rain never killed anyone. It's a lot of rain. Oh. Jumanji. A little rain never hurt anyone. Well, a lot could kill you. It's a, it's a perfect opportunity to throw out the wussification of America if you like want to roll that take. Yes. Back in my day, we played in Hurricane. What makes you more angry? When men go visit their pregnant wives? <laughs> or when they cancel football games because of rain? Tomorrow on the Crowley Show.